Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, nurse scientist and sustainability leader in Missoula, Montana. On the podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. Today, our guest is Colleen Grohl, Manager for Sustainability Programming at Seattle Children's Hospital in Seattle, Washington, and also a former nurse and nurse practitioner. Welcome to the podcast, Colleen. Thank you, Beth. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, tell us a bit about yourself and your background, starting with with your nursing background, if you would. Sure, sure. Um, I uh, uh, went to uh, undergraduate at Niagara University in New York. And I, I had decided to become a nurse from like a very young age. I think I was in third grade and uh, um, got my bachelor's. And then I worked mostly ICU and cardiac ICU in the Boston area on the East Coast. Um, I moved overseas for four years. And when I came back, I got a, a you know a annual health exam with a nurse practitioner. And I was so inspired. It was such a great comprehensive visit. And I thought, you know, maybe that would be uh, a great idea to pursue. So I then went to um, Simmons College in Boston and got uh, my MSN uh, with an adult nurse practitioner program. And then I worked in primary care north of Boston um, and loved it. And uh, then I moved out to Seattle and I worked in as a nurse practitioner in radiation oncology. Um, and then I changed careers uh, and decided to pursue sustainability. Well, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I've, I've always been somebody who enjoyed renovating old homes and they kept kind of getting greener and more energy and water efficient. And then um, I watched An Inconvenient Truth, Al Gore's film. Yeah. I actually watched it twice in 24 hours. And I was so moved uh, by that film and just felt like I needed to do something more than what I was doing. Uh, And I... It took a while, but I made a career change. I took a bunch of courses and certifications, and I got incredibly lucky, and I got into a green building consulting firm. And it had helped that I'd been renovating all those houses over the years. I knew a lot about construction and green construction and um, energy efficiency in residential housing. So I worked there for about five years. It was awesome. Uh, traveled all over the Pacific Northwest and Alaska on a uh, green, you know, building projects, everything from single family homes to military housing to big multifamily, um, uh, buildings. It was, uh, just a, a great learning experience, a very steep learning curve, but, um, I loved it. And then uh, after about five years, I saw these jobs start popping up in hospitals for uh, sustainability. And I couldn't believe that I could combine my healthcare background with this passion for sustainability. So um, I, Seattle Children's had a job uh, and I interviewed for it. They were actually looking for a nurse with a sustainability background Mm -hmm. and uh, the shoe fit, and I got the job, and that was about five and a half years ago. Wow. 
That's fantastic. What that's a really interesting trajectory. So that that period of time, I think Inconvenient Truth came out in about oh five, did it? Oh five or six? I think so. Something I, like I'm that. Trying to, yeah, yeah. So this is about the black. So it took about um, I don't know. Yeah, a little bit of time to make that transition. But that's that's a remarkable story, and uh, also remarkable that you were able to act with clarity you know about both circumstances your your decision to become a nurse practitioner based on this experience that impacted you of of being treated by a nurse practitioner and then later this experience of recognizing the plight that we're in with our environmental crisis so boy good for you for moving on that in a in practical and uh, empowered ways yeah i mean i think i had a lot of determination i also i think i was lucky I, I was getting into sustainability at a time when, you know, people were not getting their masters in sustainable systems. Um, so the fact that I had a lot of construction experience and was a nurse, that was okay. You know, Mm -hmm. people thought it was just a cool background, but it's increasingly, um, more, uh, you know, tougher to get a job now in sustainability because people are, you know, they're, (laughs) really getting a lot of education around it and, you know, former architects and engineers. And so it's a, it's kind of, there's been a, quite an evolution over the past 10 years. And, and so much interest, which is really heartening to see that, you know, so many people recognize the, our challenges and really want to be part of a solution. That's heartening for me. Yeah, exactly. I want to follow up. I, I was, I'm surprised sort of, though I, I think it makes perfect sense, but I'm surprised that Seattle Children's was actually looking for a nurse in that role. I mean, I've, I'm a nurse in that role, and I think it makes perfect sense. I think nursing is very well positioned, but I haven't seen that recognized in, in most places. How, how do you think that came to be? You know, I'm not sure. I was hired the um, my position. I'm a kind of a department of one, but I'm attached to the transportation department at Seattle Children's. Mm-hmm. And the director at the time just felt that for, for to kind of raise the profile of a sustainability program, he really wanted a nurse. He thought a nurse would know how to navigate in the healthcare system with the nurses and physicians and, you know, just mm-hmm. the, the whole administration. And, uh, it, you know, it, it worked out great. But I, I, again, I think I was just pretty lucky that that's what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. So if we back up a little bit to, to earlier in your life, do you think you were always interested in environmental health? You know, I I was. I mean, I was a mad recycler from, you know, just as soon it was, as it was available. Now I'm going back to the 80s. Mm-hmm. But funnily enough, like, I didn't bring it to work. I don't remember working as a young nurse and thinking about, oh, there's so much waste in this hospital or... Um, I wonder what the air quality is in the hospital or the things that I was starting to think about in my home renovation projects. I didn't, I just didn't make that connection at work. Um, at work, I was just focused on patient care and, um, it, it, it took a, a, it took a bit for me to start really thinking holistically, um, that, the, the work I was doing outside of my job could actually, um, you know, healthcare was just a, a, a wonderful place to put some of that to work. I just read a paper about barriers to 
sustainability practices in nursing. And Mm -hmm. one of them, which I have certainly seen and felt and talked with people about is uh, kind of people may do these things at home, but at work, they uh, don't necessarily think about it in the same way. They don't connect it to the larger global picture. They are mostly concerned with, you know, what's right in front of them that day. And that, that all makes sense. But it's interesting that at some point your perspective on that changed and that are you saying came largely from your experience outside of the hospital? It did. It did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't really until, I mean, I would even say when I was a nurse practitioner, that was a bit different because that was my first office environment. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did start thinking about, my goodness, we use a lot of paper and, you know, why aren't we, why doesn't, why don't other people turn off their computer monitors when they leave at the end of the day? And, you know, small things, mm-hmm. but it wasn't until I took the job as um, leading sustainability at Seattle Children's that I really put it all together. <laughs> so uh, um, it, you know, I was just focused on taking care of patients. Yeah, right. Which was your job. Um, so, so now that you're at in this other role at Seattle Children's and you're seeing the impacts of it, what are some things that you're working on currently in terms of either education about it or reduction of impacts or reaching mm-hmm. the community? Well, I would say, and I think this would be the same for a sustainability manager in almost any large organization. You kind of, you know, you start with the big three, energy, water, and waste, so it's, you know, trying to get our buildings to operate more efficiently. Um, I was instrumental in us doing an assessment of all our infrastructure. And then we hired a very skilled uh, healthcare engineer uh, to help run our uh, um, buildings more efficiently. Um, in terms of water, hospitals, you know, tend to be one of the highest water users in whatever community they're located in. And we're no different. Um, so really trying to get the people that work there, you know, I often say when I do presentations, you know, at your own home, you wouldn't leave the lights on, you wouldn't leave your computer on, and you wouldn't leave a running toilet or a dripping faucet because you're going to pay for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I try and have everybody, you know, think of this place just the way you would at home that, you know, you don't want the hospital. We want those dollars going towards patient care. Mm -hmm. We don't want to waste them going down the drain. Um, And then the third is, you know, waste hospitals produce a lot of, you know, we buy a lot Mm -hmm. of product and we produce a lot of waste. Mm -hmm. And I'm so lucky that um, our hospital is located in the city of Seattle because there's a lot of infrastructure here and, and mandates from city of Seattle. I mean, uh, composting, um, from commercial kitchens is mandated. Um, recycling is mandated. So, you know, it couldn't be any easier. We have all the dumpsters it's mandated by the city. So we're, you know, we're lucky and there's robust infrastructure here for recycling and compost. So we're almost, we're at 47% diversion uh, from the landfill and our 2020 goal is to get to 50. And I think we'll get there because we're expanding our compost program to all the staff kitchens, Mm. which everybody has just been clamoring for because, you know, not a lot of nurses and administration, you know, they eat at their desks, Mm -hmm. they eat at the nurse's station and they want to be able to compost Mm -hmm. in their work sites. So, um, 
that's going to be exciting. And I think that'll push us over the top, but yeah, it's uh, so the big three, they're always a lot of work on that. And then, uh, green purchasing, trying to, um, get our supply chain, what we buy more sustainable. Uh, I work with the nutrition department on healthy food and sourcing. So we're trying to buy, uh, uh, locally, we have goal annual goals for local purchasing, for sustainable food purchasing, and for antibiotic-free meat. And you know, again, a lot of the departments I collaborate with are just so uh, dialed into sustainability. Um, I've only been there five years, but the hospital was really moving in this direction. It wasn't programmed, if you will across the institution, like now we have metrics and everybody knows and we're all on the same page, but mm-hmm. uh, the hospital's been moving this direction for, uh, you know, decades. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it makes it easy for me to work across departments because in my little cubicle, it's not like I'm getting sustainability done. Mm-hmm. I'm working across the organization to get it accomplished. You bet. And it takes everybody, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> Um, can you tell me a little bit more, and I ask because this is a challenge for us, in terms of greening your yep. purchasing, what oh. have you had some successes in supply chain you can tell us about? Sure. We have, and I will also say it's it's my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I sit on all our value analysis teams, and we screen. We have a certain set of criteria that we screen for. We're trying to broaden that. Um, so we're getting pretty good at not letting products in, you know, for example, uh, the chemical DEHP, the plasticizer mm-hmm. for IV tubing and IV bags and that sort of thing. We still have IV bags with it on contract. And because of the hurricane that um, hit Puerto Rico, we, we're having a supply chain issue there and trying to convert to DEHP free. But you know, just trying to screen so things don't come in that have chemicals or that are not energy efficient, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, hospitals often just use the same stuff over and over. So we have something like our item master list, I don't know, 15,000 or more mm-hmm. items. Mm-hmm. So going through all of that, it's it's actually so challenging because the manufacturers uh, are, are not always um, very agreeable to telling you what's in their products. Mm-hmm. So it's a very slow process. We're now working with our group purchasing organization. Ours happens to be Vizient, mm-hmm. and I sit on their environmental advisory council. And we're hoping that pushing from that level to the manufacturers that they'll start giving up this information because it's – you know, it's just a challenge for one hospital. And then you can imagine how many hospitals are trying to get the same information that we are. So the manufacturers, I think, feel pestered. But it's a it's it's a new game now. And full transparency, I think, is coming to supply chain. But this is a work in progress. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's for sure one of my most challenging areas. And, you know, we've had good luck with, oh, you know, converting paper. We had all virgin paper when I got there. So we converted to recycled content paper and I agreed to 
work with the organization and get our um, paper usage down, which we've done great on that. Um, I'm trying to think of the other successes I've had in that department. There's quite a few. I can't think of them right now. Well, like, for instance, blue wrap reduction? Yes. So uh, I think we were at 80% metal cases in the OR, and I think we're up to 90 or 95. Wow, that's that's great. Blue wrap, which is good because blue wrap – we our uh, our recycling vendor used to take it, mm. and now they won't. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, after the first of uh, uh, the year in January, um, so that's a challenge we're working on. Uh-huh. Interesting. And uh, you mentioned a little bit about chemicals, at least DEHP, in your supply chain yeah. work. Have you uh, have you dealt with other of the chemicals of concern? Well, we're part of the Healthier Hospitals Initiative, mm-hmm. Safer Chemicals Challenge, and I really um, have found that so useful because, you know, I go into a department, say, facilities and planning and say, okay, I, you know, we have signed up for this Healthier Hospitals Initiative, and these are the requirements of the Safer Chemicals Challenge around furniture, uh, removing Oh, formaldehyde and antimicrobials and perfluorinated chemicals and um, PVC and all flame retardants. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we were very lucky because we were purchasing a lot of Herman Miller and they've been at this kind of work for decades. Um, but it was, you know, we, we kind of uh, made some progress and then we got a different distributor and we had some challenges. But... You know, that framework of the Healthier Hospitals Initiative was just so, so helpful. And I feel like that's just the beginning. I know they're going to be expanding the chemicals that they look at. We're certainly looking at that um, within um, our GPO Vizient and trying to expand, you know, which environmental attributes are we most concerned about. Kaiser has done really great work in in this area. Um, But it's a, uh, it's ongoing. I, I feel like this is a, you know, this is a long journey. Yeah, for sure. And then new chemicals come before you know it. And exactly. uh, sometimes, you know, they're worse than the ones they were replacing. And yeah, it's exactly. a, it's a tough one. It's a whack-a-mole. And um, we had Arlene Bloom from mm-hmm. uh, the Green Science Institute, I think it's called. Uh-huh. Uh, in uh, down in Berkeley, she we had her come and speak at uh, to the um, Vizient leadership mm. because she takes a classes approach. So she advocates, so say flame retardants, that you have to have advocate and you know work with policymakers to have the entire class removed, so you don't get those regrettable substitutions. Right, and that was that kind of mode of thinking was so helpful for me because, mm-hmm. you know, they've done it with BPA now that's like yeah. BPS or something. And they just put in another one and it's just as bad, if not worse. Right. So advocating for the removal of that whole class. And she has six classes. Her website is fantastic. Just Google Arlene Bloom, B-L-U-M. Mm-hmm. And uh, her work is amazing what they've accomplished down there. Yeah, cool. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit more about any work you're doing specifically with nurses. And I asked partly because this is a podcast about nursing also, because that's mm-hmm. my area of focus. And 
your background and because nurses are 35 to 40 percent of the of the workforce exactly so tell me a bit about that well um so i've engaged we have a we're a magnet uh hospital Mm -hmm. and they nursing leadership has a a variety of councils Mm -hmm. um they actually just went through a renaming so i used to work with the operations council of nursing but um, it's got a new name now that I can't think of, but it's, uh, it's really nicely set up for, um, working on sustainability issues because you get to work with the council that is in charge of those types of issues on their mm-hmm. units. And they'll have a representative from each unit will be on this council. And you, you know, I go in there, we talk about recycling. We, you know, when we expanded composting, I went in and speak to them and they bring that work then back to their units. Uh Um, So that's been very, very helpful. The nurses will sometimes reach out to me. We're trying to figure out, we have so, so many um, pediatric patients in isolation, particularly Mm -hmm. this time of year. It's just um, so many of the patients. So when those rooms get turned over, we have to throw out a lot of a lot of supplies. Right. It's just it's upsetting to everyone. It's upsetting to the nurses. It's upsetting to environmental services. We, you know, are working with infection prevention and uh, putting out requests on lists, listservs to see how are other hospitals dealing with this. Mm-hmm. But it's really nice. I love when they reach out and they want to, you know, try something on their unit. Um, so that's great. And then I've just started doing presentations on the Nurses Climate Challenge uh-huh, good. departments. And uh, that's uh, the response to that has been much greater than I anticipated. Um, it was, uh, I did a, a survey of nursing too, and climate change was near the top of one of their concerns. So mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, I think. Right. Was, people underestimate nursing. Yeah. Was that compared, your, your survey, was that climate was a concern compared to other environmental issues or compared to other health yeah, issues? I did, yep, I did a materiality survey. So okay. they ranked, I gave them, oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 choices of all kinds of different things ah. um, related to sustainability, you know, kind of the, the um, triple bottom line, people, mm-hmm. planet, profit and and what they were concerned with in those areas and then where they felt we had the most leverage and then you get that cool graph where you have that right upper quadrant is like okay it's most important and we've got a lot of leverage so that helped me helped focus my work with nursing yeah that's really cool Um, yeah yeah so it's it's fun it's you know i could i could just spend all my time with nurses but Mm -hmm. uh you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, one of the ways I think about it is what what are some aspects of sustainability that really falls into nursing? Yeah, one of those I think is it's not completely nursing, but it's largely nursing, and that's adequate se- segregation of waste, in at Absolutely. least the pharmaceutical waste and some of the hazardous wastes. Another one would be reusable dishware in the nursing units. Another one would be. Um, uh, climate, or I should say, maybe energy conservation, it, at the bedside. So, are they leaving the rooms in the right uh, settings when patients are out? You know, mm-hmm. j- just some things like that. And, yeah. And nurses really have impacts on everything, in my my way of seeing it. But there are some things that, 
and this this comes in part from my work with other sustainability leaders who are not nurses or who are not clinical. They come to the part, they, they go through the basic stuff, but when it comes to anything in the clinical areas, they say, well, we can't do that because that's clinical. I think, well, right. wait a minute, healthcare is clinical. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and and nurses, I mean, you know, they're not just front lines, they're so high touch. Mm-hmm. I mean, they you know, everything from water to energy to supplies exactly. to advocating for healthy food. I mean, they're really, um, they, they have, can have such a powerful voice. Uh, and I, I admire, uh, the, um, nursing administration in our hospital because the nurses feel like they, uh, have a powerful voice and that's great. It's, 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 it's really pretty wonderful. Well, I, I suppose magnet probably helps that a bit. Do you think it does? I think it does. I think mm-hmm. it. I think they're. You know, the nurses are very proud of that, and they work towards that. And I think the kind of governing councils that we have are also, um, uh, you know, lead to it's. It's just the way it's all organized. And our chief of nursing is just amazing, mm-hmm. lady, and mm-hmm. you know, but. Uh, a powerful, powerful advocate for our nurses. That's so so cool. uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty great. That's wonderful. Hey, I want to go back to something, and you, I, I, I moved too quickly over it. But you talked about the nurses' climate challenge, and I'm, I'm, uh, have worked on that a bit, and I'm yep. interested in. You said that the nurses really responded to it. Have you had nurses who who then took that information and taught it themselves? Tell me about that. I, that I haven't done. Okay. Um, yeah. Right now I'm giving the presentations and then I send it out. So I have to circle back and find out, um, you know, I've offered to go to, you know, any staff meeting, but what I would love and I'm advocating for is for the nurses to go back to, you know, their departments and give it themselves. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite there yet. I'm kind of, uh, early in this process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't had anybody do it themselves afterwards. Yeah. But it's been well received, you think? It has. Yes. I was I, it, it just very, you know, the nurses have been very, and the MAs mm-hmm. um, have been very engaged. They've asked me now to um, go speak to their group meetings. Um, so, you know, just higher engagement, I think, than I was anticipating but yeah. i learned that also as part of the materiality survey that this is a area where they're concerned yeah that's great and there's a lot of awareness in seattle and it's it's mm-hmm. not as politically charged because a lot of people agree probably exactly yeah that's exactly. great it's a nice place yeah. to be also, also i know that you personally have worked a lot in transportation and and seattle children's is well known for their work mm-hmm. with reducing single occupancy vehicles Etc. Can why don't you tell us a bit about that? Sure. So um, again, I'm attached to the transportation department, so I know a lot about it. It's probably one of the most sustainable things we do, um, and it's uh, an interesting mix in the um, state of Washington. There's um, something called the commute trip reduction law. So all organizations of a certain size or a certain number of employees have to do a survey every two years and find out how people have been getting to work um, over the previous two weeks. So you get basically a snapshot of 
how your workers are they taking the bus are they carpooling are they driving alone are they biking i mean you know some people can even walk to work mm -hmm. so you get that survey every two years then Another mandate for Seattle Children's is, again, we're in this um, located in an affluent uh, residential area. And as part of our major institution master plan, our neighbors in the city required that we didn't add a lot of parking and a lot more traffic in that area. We're just north of University of Washington, and there's some serious traffic issues going over the Montlake Cut. And um, so we have... Our goal is a 30% um, getting the, uh, the commuters, staff that commute uh, and drive alone down to 30% uh, between wow. like the 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. time period. Well, that's the same goal that City of Seattle downtown has. Mm -hmm. Now, City of Seattle downtown, all buses lead to downtown. <laughs> downtown so easily uh -huh. you cannot get to where we are we have two bus routes that go mm. we just got light link rail um mm. a mile away so we do a lot um to help people make alternative transportation choices um probably the most well-known thing that we do is we literally give people four dollars and fifty cents per day every day that they don't drive alone wow so you get an incentive mm -hmm. for whether it's carpooling or taking the bus. You get a heavily subsidized bus pass. Um, we have an entire transportation department that will do commute planning for you. Uh, we run propane-powered shuttles to um, uh, the local uh, high transit areas. So. You know, people in transportation often talk about it's that last mile, you know, mm -hmm. getting we get people say they take take light link rail, which only goes as far as University of Washington right now. Well, we um, take them by shuttle up to the hospital for that last mile. That's great. So we do, you know, really everything we can to get them out of their cars driving alone. Yeah. And we're doing it, it. It's kind of amazing given the location of the hospital and the lack of bus routes, I think we're down to mid thirties wow. on drive alone for the morning commute, which is pretty phenomenal. It's, we have a heavy carpooling uh, hospital and van pooling hospital. Mm -hmm. So that helps a lot. Yeah. That's terrific and inspiring. Do you, um, do you translate any of this work that you do to health impacts? I do. Um, it's really nice. Uh, the transportation program, you know, they do great work. I mean, we do our greenhouse gas inventory every three years. And uh, our, um, I do a, a kind of a, a limited scope three, um, which would include uh, employee commuting. And uh, um, where was I going with that? Health impacts. Oh, yeah, health impacts, sorry. Um, <laughs> so, yes, uh, when looking at health impacts, um, particularly around transportation, we try and make uh, that connection for our staff. So twice a year, they get a commute report. Um, we have this software mm. called Loom, and pretty much every time you badge onto a shuttle, you badge into a parking lot, um, 
you put in, say you took the bus to work, we have a commute calendar and you go in and put in that you took the bus to work, uh, all of that, you get a report twice a year saying what your carbon footprint for commuting to work is and what that's equivalent to and also how many, how much uh, air pollution is associated with your commute. So we really, um, you know, uh, asthma is our number one or number two admission. Wow every single year. Mm -hmm. So making that connection to, I did it with paper too. Mm -hmm. our, our, we've had a very successful paper reduction campaign. And once I made the connection with uh, the production of paper um, uh, produces a lot of fine air particulates mm -hmm. and, you know, we're in the Pacific Northwest in paper producing country. So again, I made that connection and staff, it's very mission driven where I am. Mm -hmm. Once they understood, okay, the paper that we're consuming is literally triggering asthma in our mm -hmm. patients, um, people get more motivated. So mm -hmm. it, for sustainability at Seattle Children's, I tie everything I do back to children's health mm -hmm. because that's what motivates staff. Mm -hmm. They are, it, people are on mission there. Much more so, actually, than any any place else I've worked. Hmm. Super great. Um, let me just ask you some sort of wrap up questions, and one one of them is I'd like I'm I'm just interested in what are you most concerned about right now in terms of environment or yeah. environment and health. Um, it, you know, climate climate mm -hmm. change. Um, I think it's. That recent, the IPCC report that came out a couple of weeks ago, um, it wasn't like that that was a huge news flash for everybody, but, you know, thinking, okay, 2040, it, you know, we're going to have some serious, serious climate change impacts. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it was a, a wake up call. Certainly, I got a lot of reach out from, you know, physicians and, and nurses at work saying, what can we do? Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, I, I feel like healthcare and hospitals are that trusted voice to, to make that connection between the impacts of climate change and health, mm -hmm. certainly for children, one of the most vulnerable populations to the impacts of climate change. So, um, I think taking it out of the political realm and really just thinking of about climate change in terms of public health impacts, you and I both work on this, mm -hmm. um, is probably, it feels like the most important thing I work on and that I want our hospital to take a leadership position on. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the second thing I would say would be chemicals. I feel like it's a tsunami that's coming mm -hmm. and we're, we're not prepared. The manufacturers have been doing not whatever they want, but basically whatever they want <laughs> um, for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And I think hospitals starting to push back. I mean, it's kind of phenomenal that at in Washington state, there'll be a chemical outlawed for children's residential furniture and children's mm -hmm. toys and this sort of thing. But in the hospital, mm -hmm. it's everywhere, mm. you know, so it's, it's, <laughs> It's kind of crazy making. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I think children, when they're in the hospital, should be, you know, their exposure to chemicals should be limited. Mm -hmm. And in our homes, I think we're just going to learn more and more and more about these chemicals and the effects they're having and how long they last. Mm -hmm. So I would say they're my two biggest concerns. Well, those are both big, wicked problems. And and we're all (laughs) living in the middle of it right now. It's astonishing, isn't it? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Um, well, having said that, or every anything else that, that you've talked about or, or are thinking about, what kind of advice would you give to people? It could be to, mm-hmm. to general people or nurses or, or anyone. What would you say to people to help, help with these problems? Well, I would say, um, you know, climate change uh, is not a political conversation. It's about what each of us can do. I absolutely believe in you know, small steps that individuals do to uh, reduce their own carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether you live in an apartment or you have a big home, there's all kinds of things you can do. There's tons of websites that will help you calculate your own carbon footprint, um, help you come up with different ways to decrease your carbon footprint. So I think individuals can, can do a lot and just become a, a bit more knowledgeable. It's so overwhelming, the topic, that I think for a lot of people, it's white noise and they kind of don't want to go there. But, you know, dip your toe in. Just read a bit about it. Make a few small changes. Um, I think it can I, – I really think it can add up and make a difference. Yeah, that's great advice. It's easy to th- start thinking that what I do doesn't matter, but I agree with you. It does matter. Yeah. every little thing we can do and every big thing we can do well exactly thank you first for for the work that you do it's a tremendous contribution and you're working at a really important hospital at an important time and um, it's inspiring to talk to you and learn more about it and and also thank you for being on the podcast today well thank you beth it was a it was a pleasure i apparently had a lot to talk about <laughs> that's great And thank you all for listening to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. Check us out at environ.org where you'll find this and many other episodes of the podcast. Also, if you have a chance, please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time.